I got into this because I'd had enough. I was fed up, but I got to put my words into action because I felt that at that moment when I spoke to the Board of Supervisors, there was millions of people listening. As I've sort of become a leader in this movement, I've realized that people want nothing more than to get on board to get their freedom back. If my voice gets heard and helps people, then this has all been well worth it. If my kids have a better America to live in, then this is absolutely worth it. I really don't like this stuff. I never wanted to be part of a production or a movie or, you know, I'd rather be out in the fields fighting somebody. This is the way that we fight. If this is the way that we inspire uh, people to move forward and, and to come on board with us, you know, for the win, then I'll be here. So. My fellow Americans. It is time to take our freedom back. Hey, hey, hey. Here we are. How's it going, guys? Good morning. We've got somebody that's prepared right here. That's right. We've we've bought we bought some uh, some documents with us. That's <laughs> hard actual raw data, not not quite like the um, the fallacious stuff that uh, <laughs> Steffi Bridget is putting out with her ninety percent conviction rate, which is not accurate at all. A little foofy. It's foofy. It's spoofy. It's um, <laughs> you know, I mean, in my opinion, it's it's completely dishonest. It's it's intellectually disingenuous. It's, it's designed to mislead the average voter. So she knows what she's doing. She plays the psychology game. And that that's basically a, a piece for all the folks who just want to drink Kool-Aid and be warm and fuzzy and don't want to do their own research. So today we got a special guest. His name is Sean Northam. I'm super special. He is um, a, <laughs> a local criminal defense attorney. Um, we are actually. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, going, going, you know, just a little, little bit more depth than what I can about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. I um, um I really think it's important to uh, get this information out to the voters. I don't, I don't know how many people want to take the time to actually do their own research. Um, the information is all out there, and I was, you know being facetious somewhat, not really, about Stephanie's um, numbers that she released, um, that they're not accurate, right? It's it's just a, it's it's like, she, she has a social media person, she's doing this Hollywood fluff stuff, um, but that's, as I keep saying throughout, every time I get to talk about this and being here for a while, um, you know, if you pull the curtains back, you look through the smoke and mirrors, it's the Wizard of Oz, and that's what, that's the game she's running on, on Shasta County voters, right? So you're doing that <laughs> by your history, though. You spent time. I have spent. Background real quick. Okay, so so uh, I've been up here for about eleven years. Um, I came, I moved back here in 2010, um, getting out of Sacramento. Uh, so I've been a local criminal defense attorney here for roughly eleven years. I think um, 2012, 2013 was my first sort of criminal cases up here. So maybe nine-ish years. Um, 
before that, so getting back to the day, so I went to law school down in San Diego, and as an intern down there, I was able to clerk and be an intern in what's called the Judge Unit, which is an acronym for Jurisdictions Unified for Drug and Gang Enforcement. And at the time, it was a specialized unit that did basically just drug and gang cases in a, in a juvenile setting. And I was blessed to have a supervisor who gave me a pager. There was there was 13 juvenile departments in San Diego. So imagine that. It's a fairly big county in California. And she said, okay, you've got 10 cases on calendar. Read through the files. Here's your pager. Go to court. And so she just let me sink or swim. And, uh, you know, there was a few bumps in the road. But for the most part, uh, Samantha um, just turned me loose. And so I would get paid to a court. And I was there full time for three months. So I did, I think, roughly 50 appearances a week. Um, wow. And then, yeah, it's funny because I don't know how much time we have, but there's a funny story about Santa Clara. I interviewed them to, to be a DA. And it was a you know panel interview, so that, like 10 people in the room around this horseshoe. And and they call me back, and I, I did basically a closing argument for them on a, on a mock rape case. But um, they called me back and said, hey, uh, we're pretty sure you lied on your resume. In fact, we know you lied on your resume, but change it and come back because we really like you. And I'm like, well, I didn't, but I didn't lie though. And I'm like, no, 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 there's no way you could have made 300 court appearances in three months. And I said, well, I was doing on average 50 appearances a week between 10, 10 to 15 a day. And that's a conservative estimate. So anyway, so my first gig out of law school, I want to back up a little bit. So when it came time for a post-bar clerkship, so you, you're going to graduate from law school, you're going to take the bar, and then you're going to wait for your bar results. That's how it used to be pre-COVID. Uh, and so in that in that interim, that span, I went to work for the San Diego DA's office in their gang unit. So you get hired, you're sitting around, and I, and I think it's funny because I don't ever sort of view myself as a, a smart person, but you're sitting around with this group of 13 people from Harvard, Stanford, Yale, Berkeley, um, all these top schools across the nation, and I'm over here, this little podunk, Cal Western in, in San Diego, <laughs> who's known to crank out good trial lawyers, but not, you know, we're not the academia of law, right. right? And I'm just going like, how the hell did this happen? And then I get like the best gig of, of all of us. I get to be in their gang unit and being in that gang unit, they had me working on homicides right away. Um, and toward the end of my, of my uh, clerkship, they just started giving me my own cases to handle. Said, here you go, go take this. And it was, it was mellow stuff, just possession of weapons, pretty de minimis stuff. But, in terms of being a newbie out of law school, waiting for your bar results, and now you're handling felony cases and working on homicides, I got pretty spoiled. And so uh, when it came time for my first gig, I was a little bit uh, in my ego and said, I'm not, I'm not going to some normal DA's office and do traffic and then misdemeanors and then felonies and work my way up. I've, I've already done felonies. So Greg Cohen, uh, who was the DA at the time at Tama County, said, hey, we'll bring you up here. We'll get you going. You can get our gang program off the ground. Uh, we'll give you felonies. And so I only had two questions is, one, do I get a badge? And he said, yeah. He goes, but then he <laughs> cut short the other one, you're not going to get a gun. And I'm like, all right. Well, so I took the gun. <laughs> so um, I did spend 10 months in Tama County. In fact, we did the first, I did the first gang case up there. Um, Dave Kane was running for sheriff down there. I qualified him as the very first gang expert in Tama County. Um, I was the head of the meth test force. And by that, I mean, I signed off on all search warrants. We put CIs in apartments. Um we ran operations. I would sit in on interviews with defendants, make them offers before you know before they had invoked the rights, their constitutional rights. Um, it was all above board, but I was pretty heavy into like doing stuff, being basically fresh out of law school. But that's sort of I had an unorthodox career, and it just it just kind of went from there. And um, I didn't get promoted 
financially the way I should have, Greg Cohen. Um, so then I lotted in Sacramento, and they started off doing felony hearings, and then sent me down to misdemeanors. And when they sent me to misdemeanors, there was a, a an email that went out to twenty attorneys from the supervisor saying, "Hey." Sean has prior felony jury trial experience, which I did. So take your five worst cases and give them to him. So I was, they created a caseload for me, a specialized caseload that was all the crap. <laughs> and I just went to trial. And I mean, I, I think I got a conviction in my very first misdemeanor case and then rat off like eight acquittals. I mean, I was just getting beaten up. But, but there was, were cases where it was like battery on a cop, assault on an officer, where the DA's office wouldn't dismiss it just for fear of civil suit down the road. And they were kind of protecting the guys. Um, and so I'm like, screw it. I'll go to trial. I don't just, just go to trial. And then, um, after that, I think I went out to, um, a specialized juvenile unit where I was designated the um, serious offender prosecutor and half my caseload was sex assaults and half my caseload was gang cases. And I think that I did four or five high profile rape cases. Um, there was a number of kids that went to CYA under my watch and we're talking, Kids that raped a girl on the in the gymnasium of, of Laguna Creek High School. Uh, there was, I think, I sent a total of four of them off to CYA. Um, did a couple big high profile arson cases. So I did a bunch of media cases, a bunch of arson cases. Um, you know, had a case where a fourteen year old um, kid was babysitting these two little girls, seven and five year old, and and did stuff to them. And so we did that trial. And um, you know, the, both those little girls hit the wall and couldn't testify and. We had to take a break and you talk to them and um, it was, you know, super, super emotionally heavy stuff. And so um, after SAC, I spent, you know, some time down there doing a bunch of stuff. And then I went, I mean, I never lost a felony jury trial down there. I, I, I three or four years, just never lost. It's just preparation. Just knowing your case, you know when to do it, you know when to take a trial, which is, we'll get to these stats in a second, but that's why I'm so... Um, you know, just personally pissed off and annoyed with how this criminal justice system is here in Shasta County. It's broken. It's it's a debacle. Um, I don't know what's going on with Stephanie Bridget and her office. How they have just sort of circled the wagons and are in denial about their about their numbers and what's going on. But but it's it's a that office is a laughing stock in the courthouse. I mean, well, and, and for me for me, Stephanie uh, has a real hard time. Recognizing good guys and bad guys, sometimes you know, like she'll take up a case, decline to file on, on really serious ones, and then take up a case like Carlos's or like the first time I met you, I think you were representing Jason. Wicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down and there that, on that case, that was a total mutual combat deal. I watched the video and everything, and she throws seven felonies on this dude just because, literally, because he's part of the Cottonwood Community Watch. Well, no and, way. Oh, yeah. oh no. And so here's the thing about that case too, Woody, is that. The whole time, so I represented Jason, and I can't remember, I think his son's name is Jeff. And so, and then it was... Um, Carolyn Barlow. Carolyn, yeah. 70-year-old lady driving van. They tried to get four felonies on her. And so the whole time that this case is going on, for about a year and a half to two years before we finally went to trial, I kept advocating, hey, guys, hey, Mr. Prosecutor, look, dismiss on the son. My guy will plead a felony because there is, a, you know, not only part of the video, which was maybe a little bit over the top. Um, and dismiss on Barlow because that's what this case is worth, right? right. Like this is that case. No, 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 we're not doing it. We're not doing it. So we spent two years. We get to trial, and what do you think happens at trial? Carolyn and Je Jeff get thrown. Yeah, out. exactly. Jeff was an outright acquittal. Carolyn, I think, had some sort of a misdemeanor, and then Jason was convicted of multiple felonies. But all but that money, all that taxpayer dollars, was spent. Nobody went to prison. They didn't get the convictions on the people they wanted, and all along, 
Um, ja- can- and Jason had been willing to take that. Oh, I, dude, he said 100%. right from the beginning, he goes, "Hey, I'll take the, I'll take the felony. You just let them go. They they didn't do anything, you know." But no, she wanted to make an example. Fact, part of the terms of their probation are they can't come to uh, the co- the Cottonwood Barbershop. That's literally part of their so. Term. How long ago was that? That was three or four years ago, I think. Yeah. I think three years ago. And how long yeah, has uh, Stephanie been in there? She's been in office about five years. So she took over one one seventeen. Steve Carlton, rest in peace, um, exited in in end of sixteen. And so we'll kind of get into those numbers because, yeah. um, or maybe we can get them to them right now. So it's it's you know Stephanie did this press release and God bless the. There was one gent, maybe two gents last week at the Board of Supervisors meeting that got up there and talked about what a great person Stephanie is and <laughs> she's protecting this community. And I'm just shaking my head going like, dude, what, how can you be so ignorant? Are you willfully ignorant? Are you just naive? I mean, I don't, I don't, it, it'll sound terrible. Are you just dumb? Are you an idiot? And I, I don't know, but I wanted to talk to the guy and go like, just explain to me your psychology right now <laughs> because you're spouting off a 92% conviction rate. Where did those numbers come from? And I've made a joke about this at the Board of Supervisors going, it's like asking the fox guarding the hen house. The farmer walks up and says, hey, Mr. Fox, how are the chickens in there? We got 100%. Oh, yeah, boss, everything's good. Cool. Nothing to see here and move along. And then that's it. Yeah. But the farmer never opens up the door to look at the chickens go, oh, you know, crap. He's eaten 100% of them, right? Yeah. So this new program that Stephanie has, the e-prosecutor, is, again, it's smoke and mirrors. The way it works is every county has a superior court. That superior court is required to compile stats, statistics on felonies filed, misdemeanors filed, infractions, non non criminal infractions, you know, non criminal misdemeanors, um, and then all those stats get compiled sent over to the Judicial Council of California, which is required to compile a basically you know a report every year on this is how our counties are doing. So what I've done is I went to the Judicial Council and I got the raw data for all the numbers, right? For Shasta County. For Shasta County. Yeah. And I just look at somebody spouting off to the Board of Supervisors going, they have a 92% conviction rate and that press release and go, yeah, so that's your own program. And then B, one thing that we always say in criminal laws, consider the source. So what motive, what agenda does Stephanie Bridget have to release some fluffy numbers that aren't accurate? Uh, job security, right? <laughs> hey, I don't know. It's a pretty beefy paycheck, whatever it is. I don't, I don't actually know. Um, but there's an incentive for Stephanie to fluff her numbers, right? Because she needs to get reelected. There's a disincentive for her to tell the truth because if she does, the, she's going to be exposed. And that's what I've been talking about all along is exposing this DA's office, their ethics, their trial stats, and how they conduct business, right? So if you look at, um, do we have the FOIA stats by chance? Well, I think she's uh, screwed either way because she can tell the truth or she can lie about it, but she's going to get called on it because people are paying attention now, you know? Right. So I think it's it's a double-edged sword. Well, that's a key thing for me. I'm like, well, how would I interpret DA numbers? I don't know. where It's not my expertise. No, so you need somebody with a background to be able to, you know, actually bring tell. it down to my level. Right. What, what am I looking at here? Public safety. Right. Your safety. Right. Your kid's safety. Your family's safety. The safety of the community at large. Because what, what Stephanie's doing is she's taking stats, and I'm sure they're legit stats, but what she's doing is she's doctoring those numbers. That's a good word. It's an accurate number. Doctoring those numbers where it spikes her conviction rate. So for example, do you feel safer, Lonnie, that she got 100 out of 100 red light tickets? Does that make your family safer in the community? (laughs) Probably not. 
maybe driving at that intersection, right? But I don't, I don't think, I don't think so. Um, driving on a suspended license or no insurance, does that make you safer? Not really. What makes a community safer? When you go after felons, right? When you go after people who have violent backgrounds that are committing crimes, that are engaging in drug activity, handling guns. Getting caught with guns. That's getting caught with guns, common, right? right? And I'm not talking about some dude. I mean, I have a case right now where he is, his prior felony conviction was from 12 years ago. I think he wrote a bad check. There we go. Great freaking job, guys. Good job. <laughs> and, um, and they want to send him to prison. So we're going to trial because... He's never been to prison. He's never had a felony conviction since that bad check case or whatever it was. Um, and it, it, it was, he, he didn't know it was an accident. He shouldn't have had the gun in the, in the vehicle. But point being, we're, the offer from Nolan Weber, Zapata favorite, um, <laughs> is prison. And I look at this newbie, this young lawyer going like, dude, you don't know what you're doing. You're young. This is not a prison case. We're going to go to trial. I'm probably going to kick your ass. But aside from that, even if I lose, he's not going to prison. So why are we going to go spend thousands and thousands and thousands of taxpayer dollars when you could just get the conviction and move on, right? So that's where discretion comes in. Right. But talking about felonies, so if you look at these numbers I got up here, gents. So Stephanie Bridget, I'm going to walk over to the well. So if you look at the left column, it's 16, 17. So the way it works is we have fiscal years. So from June 1st to June 1st. Right. So 1670 is half Steve Carlton, half Stephanie Bridget. You go down. There were 47 felony cases assigned out for jury trial in 2016-17. Of those 30, 33, the reason there's an asterisk is that um, everywhere there's an asterisk, there was a jury trial on what's called a civil commitment. So basically, you got like a sexually violent predator, and we we do a trial to see if he should be committed longer, right? So you sort of just reduce it by one. But if you take 33 convictions out of 47 trials, it's 70% conviction rate. It should be higher because look at what's happened. You get two hung juries. Four straight-up acquittals, five mistrials, and two pleas. What that shows me, having spent 22 years or whatever it is, I don't know, 20, Jesus Christ, I don't know how long I've been doing this, 20-something years. Decades. Yeah, decades. Um, I've probably done 100 jury trials. I've probably handled, honestly, over 5,000 felony cases. I mean, I, you know, it sounds weird to talk about myself, but um, I don't like it. But, you know, I've got a lot of experience. And you've got two hung juries, you've got four acquittals, um, it happens, five mistrials. Five mistrials is something's going awry. Typically with the prosecution doing something they shouldn't be doing and the judge has to declare a mistrial. But what, if you look at those other numbers, what, what, what you're seeing is, is people taking cases to trial that should never go to trial, right? Sometimes out of 100% of cases, maybe four to 6% of those cases should never go to trial. And those, you're talking like guys who have a super bad background. Maybe the case is a little weak, but... You, you need to take a run at the guy or murder trials where somebody committed a murder, you know, um, and the offer is, well, plead the 25 to life. Well, that's what I'm going to get. If I get convicted, why wouldn't I go to trial? Right. Look, look every year. <laughs> there you go. It gets worse. So here's what's interesting. Look what at the you? acquittals, 11 and 15 acquittals in 18, 19, 19, 20. That's crazy. It's crazy. What, and if you look at this, what you're going to see is, and this is what Stephanie's not talking about. The grand jury that investigated her or whatever it was that they posted on their website for low morale ultimately concluded, oh, you're doing a great job. You guys are just overworked. They're overworked because they're filing cases that shouldn't be filed. Ergo Zapata. They don't file cases they should file. How about the West Valley Conwood sexual assault case that Stephanie Bridges' office refused to file? That went before the school board. The sex assault was documented. It happened. And her office didn't touch that. Yet she claims on her flyer on her website, we're going to protect children. 
uh, sit down and explain to me without being emotional and crying about how hard you work. How are you protecting kids <laughs> when you didn't file that case? Right. Just right. Have, let's have an honest conversation. Don't go before the board of supervisors and whine. We all work really hard. Everyone works hard. Everyone busts their ass for their family, right? Um, unless you're born independently wealthy, which was not my stock in life. But yeah, what if you look at 1718 when it's now Stephanie's got full control of her office, right? Now look at the numbers. Now, now Stephanie's also doing hiring. So keep that little nugget in mind because you drop down 68%. Okay, 2% drop off. All right. Now in year two and a half, so, so one full year, second two full years under her belt, her office is her office. Those are her hires. Those are her trainees. What is she getting? 55%. You got your ass kicked 11 times, right? Four mistrials, one case dismissed, three hung juries. It's a shit show. Sorry for cursing, but I do that a lot. <laughs> um, but but then you start thinking about 17 people left her office in five years. Now let's look at the next few years, guys. So in 1920, she dropped 11%. Is that right? 9%? 9%. In 2020? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> You're confusing me, John. <laughs> Those two accounting degrees I got in undergrad, I don't know what happened to them. I can't crunch numbers anymore. I, I, I drink the beans instead of eat count the beans. Um, but 15 acquittals, dude. Are that's, you kidding me? That's unbelievable. So what does that show for you? Oh. For people that, are, that you're shocked by 15 acquittals. I'm absolutely horrified by 15 acquittals. Because okay, so what does that talking, show for you? What does that illustrate? It means violent felons and felons are back on the street. So it's so it's gotcha. public safety is not happening under Stephanie Bridges' watch. If you look at these numbers... Since Steve Carlton, Shasta County is more dangerous because of Stephanie Bridget. And yet her, God bless her lawyers, come to board supervisor. She's a great, she's a great leader. Uh, in what capacity exactly? Right. Are you guys doing, you know, Avon parties? I don't know. Tupperware? I don't know. Maybe right. she's a great leader at Bocce Ball. Uh, who knows? But in terms of running an office, which is, you know, it's, it's irritating to me, this, this, this shtick, um, that the DA's office and, and the lawyers are putting on Eric Jensen. He's not experienced. You need you need to be, and Eamon Fitzgerald was at the Board of Supervisors meeting the other day saying, I've been a lawyer for 20 plus years in a Southern draw, which is really accented for the Board of Supervisors because he doesn't normally talk like that. <laughs> not to that not Le to that. He degree. learned that from Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Just right? <laughs> He's that old Southern draw. That dog don't hunt. Yeah. So yeah, Eamon Fitzgerald's dog doesn't hunt because I will tell you that... Um, and Eamon does a lot of the filing, so we get cases that are like, why did you file this case, dude? This is You're never going to prove this case in a million years. And I don't know how much time I have, but i got to tell a quick Fitzgerald story because he's up there bragging about what a great leader Stephanie Bridges is. So in California, if you get um, stopped for a misdemeanor and you don't want to sign the ticket, you have an absolute right under penal code to go before a magistrate. It's in our laws, right? So one of the Cal Fire guys, God bless him, stopped my client for riding a bicycle through a, um, a stop sign which is a technically a moving violation. You know, the amount of resources that got put in that call, that's a whole nother topic, but, but whatever, Cal Fire, some of those guys are sworn law enforcement. So he's out making a traffic stop on a bicycle, which I, I, I whatever, I'm aggravated about that. But wow. so my client says, I'm not signing your damn ticket. Take me before a magistrate. So now Cal Fire calls up a few more Cal Fire guys. Now more cops arrive on scene because now my client's quote resisting arrest. He's insisting on his constitutional right, his right under the penal code, to be taken before a magistrate. So, Cal Fire guy apparently doesn't understand the penal code, arrests my client for resisting arrest because my client demanded to be taken before a magistrate. 
Fitzgerald gets that case. So what do you think Fitzgerald filed? Instead of knowing the law on that, Fitzgerald files a PC-140 and misdemeanor. So my client's currently in failure to appear status, but at some point that case is going to go to trial because this, this office doesn't dismiss 148s. And why would I ever plead my client to a charge where he's insisting on his right on the penal code? So these guys are going to talk about what a great leader Stephanie is. And, like, and if you just pull the data, I mean, this data came from Shasta County Superior Court. I did a FOIA request to um, the CEO, uh, and she sent this to me. So this is just the raw data from the stats they compiled. And you talk about you know, low morale uh, because they're overworked. Right. You had 17 lawyers leave in five years, and look at their numbers. Ultimately, last year, <laughs> I mean. Well, these, these numbers right here, 70%. And sixty-eight percent in in trial conviction rates, and you go <laughs> down there to forty-five percent and thirty-eight percent. That pretty much tells the so whole what, story. So, what what would be the way to defend this besides that she's liked in her office for whatever reason? Because right. she hired him, and she can create her own culture. Yeah, no, you can absolutely. be liked. Right. So, what's the argument that says we should be voting for Stephanie Bridget? After looking at this, I see no good reason at this point. We need just to see on a sheer change. numbers. Yeah. There, there, yeah. Like, there's absolutely. If you look at the numbers and yeah. you're you're not having an emotional response or right. deep psychological reaction to to the leadership, right? Okay. There is no legitimate reason why anyone should ever vote for Stephanie Bridget. Would you okay, if you run a let's take you run a business, right? Or I think the best analogy is sports analogy. Let's say you got a little league team that wins 45% of the games. All right, it's the little dudes, right? Little girls. Okay, cool. But if you're running a business for profit, if you're running a team and the goal is to win a championship, are you ever going to bring back a coach who gets you a forty-five percent win victory win rate? What what should no. th what should right. that number be? So that in number a healthy should be, office. So that number should be right around ninety percent conviction rate. That's between eighty and ninety percent. Um, and what that translates into again is public safety. You are losing cases where you should be winning those cases because you should be spending the time analyzing what do we have right. There's that great line from Training Day. It's not what you think you know. It's what you can prove. Well, this data, one shows they don't know what they're doing, and they can't prove it either. They can't prove anything. So um, so it seems like it's a lot of front-end. In my world, I would say triaging of, the, of what's filed. They're doing a terrible job of saying, let's take on this, that, the other thing. That's, a, that, that's one of the main sources of what's going on here. Would that be yeah, accurate? Absolutely. And then you get the ego and the narcissist involved, narcissism right, right. involved, right? Yeah, then you're out of control. And like, we're yeah. not going to dismiss it. Well, then F you, let's go to trial. I, yeah. I, I, I do a lot of trial work. My clients have a lot of success. And, and I love how there's some social media stuff just ripping on me. Yeah, there's a disincentive for me to expose Stephanie Bridget from a financial standpoint, right? Right. I mean, if I want to really blow up my business, I just go keep kicking their ass, right? And and I would have all these things about all my trial numbers and how often my clients win. And don't you want a lawyer who's got like one of the best trial winning rates in Shasta County? I mean, I'm, I'm I know I'm at the top, um, but I don't care. To me, I care more about the Constitution and the criminal justice system in Shasta County than my pocketbook, right? We need to move on a little oh, bit. And okay. let's, let's talk about the, the Brady stuff. Oh, man. We got to get into that. That's super important. Yep, we got press okay. for time. Okay. Can we pull up the um, photograph of Stephanie Bridget from the press conference? Please. Okay. Right. So, while well, that's coming up. So, what I did was, 
Ah, great. You guys are killing it back there, man. Mm. Like the man. So what's up on the screen right now is from, I believe, a September 14th, 2021 press conference with Steffi Bridget talking about the PG&E, the Zog fire and how she's going after them. Right. So I like how it says truth, justice and protection on her um, little badge thing on their dice, because that's not accurate either. Um, The gentleman on the far left to Steffi Bridget's far right, his name is Ian Frazier. So this team was handpicked by Steffi Bridget. Um, the guy to Steffi Bridget's immediate right, that is Chief Deputy District Attorney Ben Hanna. So let's talk about Ian Fraser. He's been a prosecutor for two years. He's already quickly garnered um, the reputation as the most unethical prosecutor, or arguably the most unethical prosecutor in Shasta County. He has three separate Brady violations. Now, the way Brady works is this. There's a constitutional requirement that the, 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 the government turn over Evidence that is favorable to the defense. Either it impeaches a witness, it would reduce the sentence, or it's outright, it goes to guilt. It's what we call exculpatory. But there's an affirmative obligation. The, there are t- at least 10 documented Brady violations that I've got, ethics violations that I've come up with. Um, um, and let's talk about Ian Fraser. So Ian Fraser has three separate violations, as well as two recent cases in which he violated a court order. So, and this is in two years of being in Shasta County. Two years of being in Shasta County. So okay. the irony is Ian Fraser used to do workers' comp. So the bag on Eric Jensen is, you can't do this job if you've never done a criminal trial. Well, hey, Steffi Bridget, you hired a workers' comp lawyer oh. to do criminal <laughs> jury trials. Wait a second. So when you're ripping on Eric Jensen and when your lawyers are ripping on Eric Jensen saying, you can't do this job if you don't have criminal experience, um... To Ian Fraser, then explain Ian Fraser, Stephanie Bridget. And it's a bunch of BS that Eamon was talking about that you need to be, you have to have criminal experience to, to, to be a DA. You don't. You need to be a good leader. You need right. to be a good manager. Yeah. You gotta you gotta know how to hire good lawyers. Yeah. yeah. And then you gotta you gotta train lawyers, yeah. right? You gotta put a training program in, which is why I love the fact that Eric Jensen has Tom Toller with him. Tom Toller spent 20 plus years being a prosecutor. I don't know how many years in the Shasta County DA's office. I mean, Tom is Tom is brilliant. Um, and so it seems to me like when you look at, at, and there was some meeting where like, well, Tom's only known Eric for three months and how can Tom vouch for Eric? Well, I mean, and I gotta say, it's like, you know, you can stick up, stick your head up a bull's ass and get a good look at T-bone <laughs> steak, but would you rather just take the butcher's word for it? Right. <laughs> so, so I trust Tom's legal intellect. I trust his legal acumen. I trust for Tom to say, Hey, I know Eric Jensen is a great lawyer. He's a good lawyer. He's going to put together a great team. That's what a good leader does, right? right? right. You know, Stephanie Bridges tried one murder case in like the last four or five years. That was with me. And that was like shooting fish in a barrel. My client was pretty guilty. So, you know, you don't you don't need to do jury trials. And you, you look at Ian Frazier, who's, who's out of workers' comp. What has that guy done? He's made a complete mockery of the U.S. Constitution. I mean, he violated, he violated the Constitution in People v. Justin Joel, 20F2719. Here's the crazy thing. Ian got information that... Initially, the victim, it kind of came out that the the defendant used a knife to carjack this victim. That didn't happen. Turns out the knife actually belonged to the victim. RPD, Rand Police Department, knew that. RPD communicated that to Ian Frazier. Ian Frazier had that information, yet still went to court and still tried to argue, excuse me, that the knife belonged to the defendant, which is pretty freaking scummy. Un- scummy and unethical. Man. And he got he got busted. And even the judge in the opinion, um, which I have, said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed or dismayed or the, the super bothered by the fact that Ian Frazier 
went after the public defender investigator really hard and was basically saying, hey, that public defender investigator was lying in his report when the victim said, oh, no, the knife belonged to me. And Ian tried to portray this investigator as a liar on the stand, knowing the whole time that the knife never belonged to the defendant. And that's, wow. as, that's as dirty as you get, man. And that's what Ian Frazier does. In People v. Neil Babcock, a, a misdemeanor case, 19M499, um, Mr. Frazier withheld the victim's extensive criminal history um, related to drugs and drug sales because the victim was deceased in a car accident, but Ian buried that stuff. And so what happens when that information came out, case gets shipped to another prosecutor, and then a, a deal was struck. Um, and rightfully so in that case because it truly was an accident. But again, it's Ian Frazier withholding material on, that's required on the Constitution. And this DA's office, um, I just got into it with, that story but <laughs> but um, you have so you have 10 different examples of that i have 10 different examples i have there, ian frazier has three alone so he's got another where um they destroyed a, a body armor vest that was Ian was supposed to um preserve it for for testing it inadvertently got destroyed and then ian's still trying to prove that it was actually body armor where the defense was hey this was a vest i created for um paintball or the little the little nerf pellet things yeah yeah and so airsoft yeah airsoft thank you and in that case, uh, there was a Brady motion that was brought. It was granted by Judge Flynn, and Judge Flynn, as a sanction, excluded any testimony from or in front of the jury from the cops saying it's a, it's it's body armor. I believe that that resulted in an acquittal. And so, just last um, week, I was in court, and and Ian Fraser had been ordered to file a legal document. It's called an information. Uh, it was never filed, and the judge kind of looks over the DA's like, "Yeah, uh, he was ordered to file. It's not filed." And the response was, well, my notes reflect that there was an agreement that we could just use the old legal document to be the new one. And the judge looks over to the DA and says, yeah, that that was never the agreement, uh, Mr. Public Defender. Was that the agreement? No, judge. There was never an agreement. So, you know, I have certain ideas about what notes were wrote on that file, but certainly it was misinformation that was written on that file. Um, and then... So you you brought these two... The uh, judge, right? You brought the so uh, the case. I so I I had a, um, a domestic violence case where uh, two weeks ago that got dismissed because there was a whole st mountain of stuff that got turned over. In fact, Stephanie Bridges' office is so pissed off that they've now started um, recusing Judge McKee from hearing cases. She's an incredible jurist. Um, worked really really hard to come up to speed on cases, to understand them, to read all the briefings, and the DA's office is just papering her. So in other words, the DA's office is precluding her from hearing trials. Here's what's going on with that. They're wasting more taxpayer dollars because right now we only have so many courtrooms available due to COVID. And because they're papering Judge McKee, now we're getting a backlog on cases because that's an open trial court that's just sitting there because the DA's office is having an emotional tantrum that they that they were called out and exposed. They got their ass kicked rightfully so because they were doing some dirty, shady stuff. And as you know, revenge, vindictiveness, you know, it's like we're dealing with like fourth grade, whatever it is. Steffi Bridges, Steffi Bridget, under her leadership, is now recusing Judge McKee from hearing trial cases. So now the DA's office is creating a backlog of cases. We're wasting more taxpayer dollars because they're because they're pissed. They got their little feelings hurt because they're being unethical. They got exposed. And in my brief, I listed a bunch of these these Brady cases and. They tried to relitigate it. They tried to have that brief sealed. They tried to do all this tactical stuff because they didn't want that information out there. But it's out there. And I just wish that, you know, the voters of Shasta County would take the time to go do your own independent research. Don't be dumb, man. I mean, we're, 
we're supposed to be in a conservative county, right? Aren't we supposed to be a little smarter than the folks in Los Angeles, the folks in San Francisco, New York? Absolutely. All the major cities? I'm surprised that a DA can do that to a judge. I mean, well, it's crazy. It is, but at the same time, um, there's some certain personality conflicts that, that occur. And so it's written in this Code of Civil Procedure that you can, if you feel like a judge is biased against you, um, you can what we call paper them, right? But how do you make the argument that this judge is biased against my office because the judge is upholding the Constitution with a straight face? That's pretty tough. I mean, I, right? The it, ju- would have to, it would have to be some something odd, not a direct violation of constitution. No, right? absolutely. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's. Um, I mean, I've had some personality conflicts with some judges over the years throughout the number of counties that I've worked in, and sometimes I'll I'll, I'll drop paper on them if I think that they're really going to affect how I'm going to handle my case. Yeah, I'll drop paper on them, but. But that is um, a personality conflict. That is not, hey, this judge upheld the Constitution, and now we're pissed off, so now we're going to create a further backlog of trial cases in Shasta County. Right? And so for me, I don't know what how how many Brady violations would be acceptable for a county or a DA's office. Zero? Zero is, would be good. Zero. Zero. So in a, let's say in a in a how many year period? You said you have 10 there? 10 in the last four years, under 70's watch. Okay, and, and if we were to take other counties... So what I can tell what you would is, you see, I know some. I know a cop that has a Brady, and it pretty much renders you ineffective. Yeah, if you're on the Brady list, you really can't be a witness because yeah, you go to court. Like if I'm a cop that arrests you and I have a Brady, right? The first thing Sean's going to do as your attorney is remind the jury, hey, well, I'm this gonna, guy's got a Brady. And I, I want, I want, I'm going at this at the angle of arguing that that well, we just had some mishaps. So and and that does happen. <laughs> I, I will tell you that because that's going to be the argument. Oh, it, oh, it is. No, no, no. Like, well, he's about. new. Well, well. What's the norm? What should? What is a reasonable expectation? Well, for the a prosecutor office? on Jacob Pauling, um, Courtney Hagee, uh, has been out here for about two years from Virginia, and okay. the judge, Judge McKee, was was putting a thumb down, going, "Tell me why you didn't turn this over? Why didn't you do this step?" Right. And so I was, well, Judge, to be perfectly honest. It always sort of begs the next part of the answer, right? When somebody says that. But to be perfectly honest, I'm still new here. Okay. What, you, what about saving trees? Is that the same? Yes. I was yes, there, you dude. Were there, dude, you watched it, John. She, you she watched goes, it. She said, I, well, I thought I could. She, first of all, one, at one point, she said that she was new. And then. And then uh, she got hammered on it again, like, answer the freaking <laughs> question. And she right. says, well, I thought I'd save some trees and it wasn't important. Right. They were, so. There was an email that Judge um, McKee was asking um, Courtney about, Masegi about, and saying, hey, well, where's this email? Because Courtney's like, well, we, I sent him an email a long time ago, which is even more concerning because if you send an email a long time ago, then you had a heads up right. that you should have turned that shit over, right? And, and the response is, and I just got into it with the, um, a judge last week, well, the, and the judge responds is, because I was bringing up Brady, and I'm, 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 ir- I'm done. I'm over being patient. I'm tired of the excuses. You have a freaking affirmative obligation on the Constitution. Just deal the cards, man. Deal the cards. Let's see where they fall. Let's be transparent. Let's give everybody everybody what they need. And let's have a fair, like Stephanie's got something on her, fair, ethical, and honest prosecutions. You're full of shit. You're not fair. You're unethical. And you're not honest. Because you're not turning over material that you need for the constitu- under the Constitution, right? So the judge looks at me and says, well, you know, Mr. Norton, I, you don't need to lecture me about the, about the DA's office and their Brady obligations. And I said, I'm not, number one, I'm not lecturing you. Um, the, the judge's response is, well, they know what their obligation is. And I was like, well, I'm not lecturing you. But no, they don't. If they did, <laughs> we wouldn't be four years down the road with the same 
whiny excuse. Judge, we told we told them about this conviction. They should have went and got it. Yeah, you don't understand the law. Not only should you do you need to tell me about the conviction, but you need to provide reports underlying the conviction because it's it's moral turpitude, it's exculpatory, it's Brady, it's material under the U.S. Constitution that you have to provide. I don't have to go ask for anything anymore. And yet here we are, four years down the road, the same excuses they were using four years ago, they're using now. So where's Stephanie Bridges under her great leadership? Where's her training program? I know Eric Jensen will have a Brady training program. So every newbie lawyer who comes out of office is going to be sat down and watch a video for two hours or whatever it is going, when you get stuff, just turn it over. Yeah. And so getting back to your question, like, yeah. so I was in the Sacramento DA's office for six years. Um, I had a Brady issue because I didn't want to turn over uh, a videotape interrogation of the co-defendant because it was a gang case. And I thought once I had released that, um, then potentially that guy was going to get taken out by his fellow gang members. Under, under the evidence code, I was asking for a hearing, which I'm entitled to do, on whether or not I had to disclose that. Well, the judge disagreed with me, ordered me to turn it over. I got into a piss contest with them, and then I got told when I went back across the street, and I was just like, just turn it over. So it happens where stuff... Um, hey, um, you, we got to uh, wrap this up because the next... Sorry, oh, uh, let's no, no, like maybe dude, in one minute, let's just... No, hey, you're on fire, Sean. I wish we could go on for hours <laughs> yeah. with this, dude. I mean, like, you... You are just a, a, a freaking, you smell blood in the water, and I love your passion, dude, and, and uh, breaking this stuff down for your average person. To well, be it's able a to big deal for you to come out with this, this stuff. It yeah. really is. Well, you know, it's, it's a patriotic know, thing to do. You know, It is, though. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm catching a lot of flack for it. I mean, I've been called Voldemort, a villain, uh, you know, just social media stuff. I, I don't really give a shit. I mean, my brother was killed in 2011, and I lost my family, most of my family, because they supported him. I support the prosecution because. It's called integrity. You either have it or you don't. You cannot teach integrity. You can't teach character, right? And so um, Eric Jensen has integrity. He's going to be transparent. And what we're seeing with Stephanie Bridget is it's just a bunch of nonsense to, to get reelected to be a career politician. And, um, you know, if I've got to be Don Quixote or whatever it is chasing windmills to get this information out there, then that's that's what God and the universe has called upon me to do. And I, right. I don't care. So, so these days when you're doing the right thing, it seems like you get character assassinated <laughs> and would, it's actually a badge of uh, honor. I mean, it's kind of, uh, you might be moving the right direction. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know. though, it's funny because America shipped that way. Right? Welcome to the jungle. brother. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thanks for tuning thank in. Everybody. So much. Thank you. Sh Sean, thank you. You're, oh, you're you freaking guys. awesome, dude. You're a patriot. You freaking stand yes. up for what's right. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. You can, uh, you can find us on at share us, please share it. Get we don't have any funding. We don't like we right? we're just doing this. Ah. We're not doing this for money, but please, you know we need some organic growth. Share us. You can get, uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, sometimes YouTube and Facebook, Rumble. Most importantly, on Patreon. I'm sorry, uh, MountaintopMedia.com, MountaintopMedia.com, and check out the other great podcasts we have. That's under the umbrella of Mountaintop Media, Sovereign Minds, and uh, Jefferson State of Mine. You guys have a great like day. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, bless you. Thank you guys right. so much. Yeah, Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it, man. Sure. For sure.